The Chicago Tylenol murders were a series of poisoning deaths resulting from drug tampering in the Chicago metropolitan area in 1982. The victims had all been taken Tylenol-branded acetaminophen capsules that had been laced with potassium cyanide. A total of seven people died in the original poisonings, with several more deaths in subsequent copycat crimes. To date, no suspect has been charged or convicted of the poisonings. New York City resident James William Lewis was convicted of extortion for sending a letter to Johnson & Johnson that took responsibility for the deaths and demanded $1 million to stop them, but evidence tying him to the actual poisoning never emerged. The incidents led to the reforms in the packaging of over-the-counter substances and to federal anti-tampering laws. The actions of Johnson & Johnson to reduce deaths and warn the public of poisoning risks had been widely praised as an exemplary public relations response to such a crisis. The first incident, on September 29, 1982, 12-year-old Mary Kellerman of Elk Grove Village in Illinois died after taking a capsule of extra-strength Tylenol. Adam Janis of Arlington Heights, Illinois, died in the hospital later that day after ingesting Tylenol. His brother Stanley, 25, and his sister-in-law Teresa, 19, of Lyle, Illinois, also later died after taking Tylenol from the same bottle. Within the next few days, Mary McFarland, of 31, also in Illinois, and Paula Prince, 35 years old, of Chicago, and Mary Reiner, 27, of Winfield, all died in similar incidents. Once it was realized that all these people had recently taken Tylenol, tests were quickly carried out, which soon revealed cyanide present in the capsules. Warnings were then issued via the media and patrols using loudspeakers, warning residents throughout the Chicago metropolitan area to discontinue use of Tylenol products. The tainted capsules were found to have been manufactured at two different locations, Pennsylvania and Texas, suggesting that the capsules were tampered with after the product had been placed on store shelves for sale. The police hypothesis was that someone had taken bottles off the shelves in local stores in the Chicago area, placed potassium cyanide in some of the capsules, and then placed the packages back onto the store shelves to be purchased by unknowing customers. In addition to the five bottles that led to the victims' deaths, a few other contained bottles were later discovered in the Chicago area. In an effort to reassure, reassure the public, Johnson & Johnson distributed warnings to hospitals and distributors and halted Tylenol production and advertising. After other incidents like Streichen added to Tylenol bottles in California, a national we recall of Tylenol products was issued on October 5, 1982. During the initial investigations, a man named James William Lewis was accused of sending a letter to Johnson & Johnson, demanding $1 million to stop the cyanide-induced murders. Lewis was arrested, tried and convicted of extortion, and sentenced to 10 years in prison. During the trial, attorneys for Lewis claimed that he intended only to focus the attention of the authorities on his wife's former employee. Having thought that there was enough evidence to charge him, on January in 2010, both Lewis and his wife submitted DNA samples and fingerprints to authorities. Lewis said, If the FBI plays it fair, I have nothing to worry about. Lewis continues to deny all responsibility for the poisonings. A second man, Roger Arnold, was identified, investigated, and cleared the killings. He had a nervous breakdown due to the media attention, which he blamed on Marty Sinclair, a bar owner. 
In the summer of 1983, Arnold shot and killed John Stanisha, an unrelated man whom he took for Sinclair and did not know Arnold. Arnold was convinced in January 1984 and served 15 years of a 30-year sentence for second-degree murder. He died in June 2008 in the middle of a sentence. In early 1983, at the FBI's request, Chicago Tribune columnist John Green published the address and gave location of the first and youngest victim, Mary Kellerman. The story, written by the Kellerman's family, Consent, was proposed by FBI criminal analyst John Douglas on the theory that the perpetrator might visit the house or gravesite if he were made aware of their locations. Both sites were kept under 24-hour surveillance for several months, but the killer did not surface. A surveillance photo of Paula Prince purchasing cyanide-tampered Tylenol at Walgreens at 1601 Northwell Street was released by the Chicago Police Department. Police believe that a bearded man seen just feet behind Prince may be the killer. In early January 2009, Illinois authorities renewed the investigation. Federal agents searched the home of Lewis in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and seized a number of items. In Chicago, an FBI spokesman declined to comment but said we'll have something to release later, possibly. Law enforcement officials have received a number of tips related to the case coinciding with its anniversary. In a written statement, the FBI explained. This review is prompted in part by the recent 25th anniversary of this crime and the resulting publicity. Further given the many recent advances in forensic technology, it was only natural that a second look be taken at the case and recovered evidence. On May 19, 2011, the FBI requested DNA samples from Anna Bomber, Ted Kaczynski, in connection to the Tylenol murders. Kaczynski denied having ever possessed potassium cyanide. The first four Anabomber crimes happened in Chicago and its suburbs from 1978 to 1980, and Kaczynski's parents had a suburban Chicago home in Lombard, Illinois, in 1982, where he stayed occasionally. This is an unsolved case, and no one has been rightfully convicted or charged for the murders, but the police have it as an open case file. Maybe in the future we'll have enough forensic technology to uncover it, but until then, it'll remain a mystery.